And this week, I'm excited to announce a friend of mine who's been in this area doing ministry longer than I've been friends with him, uh, but a friend of mine, Dikron Kundekian, uh, who has uh, uh, become a really good friend. I, I enjoy, uh, really love listening to his preach. His heart comes out, and especially as I was praying over this uh, beatitude or this uh, blessing in particular, uh, uh, really just I felt like God uh, drew my heart to him. I asked him if he'd preach. He accepted. And so let me pray, uh, but then uh, when after I say amen, would you welcome Dick? on uh, to the stage. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we, we as a church, uh, we, we love your voice more than who it comes from. Uh, and so, Lord, as we welcome uh, someone uh, who we probably have not heard teach, at least here at Moraine, uh, Lord, would you open us up to hear from you? God, we thank you uh, for a guy like Dickron who has put time and, and, uh, and, and, and poured his heart out and has been poured in by you. And so, Lord, everything that you've done in shaping this, uh, Lord, would it be a blessing to us? And would we hear from you what you have planned for us to hear? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Rain. Thank you, Don. Um, I, uh, I know that uh, Don introduced me, and I know that you heard my name, and there were a lot of questions. So what I want to do is answer those questions real quick so that we can have a clear mind as we look at Scripture. So I have that, this is my name, okay? So you heard Dikron Kundakian. You thought, does this guy have like seven names? How does he spell that? What is that? Is he an alien? I get it. I've been around going on 49 years. I've heard it all. Uh, Dikron, it's all one name, Dikron Kundakian. There you go. Uh, it is an Armenian name, and so uh, it is um, not... Did I hear clap? Bill's up there clapping. Thanks, Bill. Um, my Armenian brother. Uh, I, uh, um, it is obviously not very popular here in the United States, but if we went to Armenia, I'd be pretty normal. So, um, but this is, this is my name. I'm named after my great-grandfather who also happened to be a pastor, and so my family thinks that's pretty cool, and so do I. So now that we have that out of the way, if we've met before and you've feel like you've butchered my name, don't worry about it. I'm not offended. I've heard it all, like I said. So uh, now that that's clear, let's move on. You good? Good. All right. So uh, have you ever uh, met someone that's like so even keeled, it's almost annoying, right? That nothing seems to bother them. They don't get upset when trials uh, hit. They seem to handle everyone with grace and mercy, even when they're being attacked by them. Uh, I, I knew a man at our church in Iowa where I was the, the youth pastor who always seemed to be hand, able to handle whatever was going on in his life with this kind of meekness, this gentleness, this peace. Even when he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, you never heard Bo complain about anything. He just, the way he interacted with everyone and the way he approached life and when the news was bad, Bo just was like, it's okay. God's in control. We're in a series here at Moraine called The Good Life, and as we go through the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, it comes to this idea of life with Jesus is full of goodness and blessings, even if it seems backwards to this world. And so today we're going to look at the third Beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So we're going to read all of the Beatitudes again. I'm going to ask you to stand as we do it. It's hard to preach this because oftentimes we take them one by one, but they come as a set. So we're going to read them as a set. 
And we're going to break down this one, but seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For they, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Will you pray with me? Uh, Father, as we uh, explore this idea of being meek, to be gentle, to approach this life with meekness, Lord, we pray that you would help us to see clearly what that is. Lord, would you continue to build that in us? Would you continue to produce that fruit in us? Lord, I pray as I speak, it would be your words that come out. It would not be about me, but it would be about you. And Lord, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you. So, blessed are the meek, or blessed if you grew up like I did, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Or maybe your translation says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. So what does it mean to be meek or to be gentle? I think this is a good place to start because if you're to be honest, when you hear the word meek or you hear the word gentle, you often think of weakness, right? That's often kind of what we think. We're, it's someone who is weak or someone who is shy or someone who is a pushover, someone who doesn't have an opinion. That, that's oftentimes this idea of what meek is or, or gentle. Or, or maybe um, sometimes uh, we, we think of someone who's like a caretaker, and that can be a part of meekness and gentleness. But, but meek is not this idea of someone who has no passion or desire in their life. Often meekness or gentleness is defined as power under control, right? Maybe you've heard that before. And uh, I, I have a friend, Keaton, who has, has a little, little girl. And Keaton, is, uh, he was a wrestler growing up, and he served in the Army, and he's this big, rough-and-tumble guy. But when he's with his daughter, right, he is gentle and compassionate, and he listens, and he reads her stories and plays dolls with her and all these things. And you would go, if you saw Keaton at work and you saw Keaton at, with his daughter, you'd be like, oh, there's something different there. Or uh, in the early days of the internet, yes, I'm that old, um, I remember as a youth pastor, we found this website, and it was, you took a quiz, and it told you how many kindergartners you could beat up at one time, right? Okay, maybe you took this quiz at one time. And I could tell you, as a young man, I could beat up just unlimited amount of kindergartners. Just keep sending them to me. I can take them, right? But that's not how we handle kindergartners, right? Or sometimes they need to be, but um, if you've been around enough kindergartners, you know that. But that's not how we handle them, right? We handle kids like with gentleness and with understanding. It's like, I know I could take a kindergartner, right? I'm not, come on, come on, dog, then I gotta get me, right? So what do I have to worry? I can treat them with this gentleness. 
Or, or, or maybe you've heard of uh, gentleness or meekness and like this uh, dealing with someone tenderly. That, have you heard of gentle parenting? That's this thing that I've seen on social media now. Like people are talking about being gentle parenting. I can tell you as a child of immigrants, my father grew up in Beirut. He grew up in the Middle East. They never heard the term gentle parenting, okay? <laughs> and to be fair, that would not have worked for me and my siblings, okay? Anyways, we needed a strong hand. And so um, we get this idea, there's all these definitions. If you Google, if you look up what does it mean to be meek or gentle, you'll find 40 different answers of what it looks like and what it's supposed to be. So what did Jesus mean when he said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. The Greek word, uh, I didn't put it up there, but the Greek word, it, it means gentle, humble. It's this idea of like humility. Jesus uses the exact same word to describe himself, right? Like I said, gentleness is not someone who has no passion, who has no strength. It's someone who, who handles life with gentleness and humility. Jesus himself showed it. I, I read this from John Calvin. It says, by the meek, Jesus means a persons of mild and gentle dispositions, they're not easily provoked by injuries. They do not take offense, but are prepared to endure anything rather than do the like actions to wicked men. This is the gentle. This is the meek, right? Life is not easy. Life is not fair. And when things come at us, how we respond demonstrates our meekness. When things don't go the way we want, how do we respond to it? So, um, I thought it was uh, good to go, well, you look at verse 5 of Matthew and it, you know, chapter 5, and it's just a short sentence. What does Jesus mean? What could he have meant? So, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 37. So, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm chapter 37. Uh, I think there's some down on the chairs if you desire, or you can look it up on your phone, however you want to do it. I will be reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV, and we're going to look at uh, Psalm chapter 37, starting in verse 1, because I believe, as we get to it, you'll see that this is probably where Jesus was alluding when he, he spoke of this beatitude. Okay, so Psalm 37, starting in verse 1, it's of David, fret not yourselves because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm, sounds good. We'll get to that. Um, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at its place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. 
Sounds pretty familiar there at the end. The meek shall inherit the land. It's almost certain Jesus was quoting this when he wrote or when he spoke at the Sermon on the Mount. And the writer here, David, paints a picture of someone who is meek, someone who trusts in God. Right? It's the meek that trust in God. They trust in God. Uh, in, in several different ways. We're going to look at this, but first of all, they trust that God is for them and not against them. This is an important part of meekness. As, as I studied this, as I thought about it, as I prayed through it, this is one of those things. It, I believe meekness comes out of our, our true belief of what God says. Do we actually believe what God says in Scripture? If we believe that God is for us and not against us, we can respond in meekness as life comes at us. And so we say that God is for us and not against us. In verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in land, and befriend his faithfulness, right? Jesus, and this says, delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God is not against us. God is for us. And so when we think about life, when things happen... Do we go, oh man, God just hates me. Does he not listen? You ever felt that way? Like, God's just not listening to me. God does not like me right now. And I mean, let's be fair. I've had times when God probably shouldn't like me very well. And we approach life that way. When things come at us in, 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 this, uh, in, uh, in opposition, we want to respond. How do you respond when there's opposition in your life? Not very well, probably. At least I don't. And the psalmist, David, says, hey, it's good. God is for us. He, dwell in faithfulness. You don't have to worry. God is, God is for us, not against us. If you know that, that God is for us, how does that change when someone says something about you or doesn't like the way that you do something or someone, uh, you know, life just hasn't turned out the way you hoped it would be? We can trust in God. We have hope because God is on our side. So we can trust uh, that even when the world doesn't seem to be going our way, the meek, they trust in God and trust that he is on their side. Another way that the meek trust God is they trust God with their plans and their ways. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Now, Sometimes we can get this idea like, oh, I'm going to wait on, you know, trust in God. I'm just going to trust his plans and, you know, his ways. And then, so I just won't really do anything. I just kind of hang out and it'll happen. It's not that we don't work hard. It's not that we don't make plans. It's not that, that we don't have dreams. It's just that we commit them to the Lord and say, God, these are, these are what I desire. What do you desire? And the meek say, I trust God. God, I trust you with my plans, with my ways, with what I'm going to do. It's not that I don't plan, work, or dream. It's just that God's will is best. I've had plenty of dreams in my life that did not come to fruition. Things that I thought, God, this is what I want. These are good things. And God had a different plan. Now, I could be upset about that and there are times, and it's not that we don't grieve and mourn some of those things, but I go, okay, God, what, what do you have for me? Or, God, this is what I think we should do. 
This is where we should go. This is what I should do with my life. And God says, hmm, hold on. I wanted to be an architect as an eighth grader. And God was like, no, I got a different plan for you. And also you can't draw a straight line. So we're going to do something different. <laughs> right? We, the, the meek, they trust God. That's what their faith is. Their hope is in is God himself. And so we say, here's our plans. In verse 4 when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's probably written on some fake barn wood somewhere in Hobby Lobby that you can get in your kitchen. I'm just telling you that verse is somewhere. But what I'm telling you is that's not, it's not about like, hey God, this is what I want. Here's my dollar. You give it to me out of the vending machine. The psalmist David is saying, hey, delight yourself in the Lord. That's the key. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, the desires of the heart flow out of that. Our desires become his desires. Our ways become his ways. And we can hand over that. And there's a sense of peace when we go, I'm following someone else's will, someone else's ways. And his is perfect. The meek also trust that God's timing is perfect. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Waiting is very hard to do. I am not someone who likes to wait for things. When I'm hungry, I want dinner ready. Like, I want to be ready to eat. That's why I hate cooking, because it's not ready when I want it to be. Right? That's why fast food is so great. Waiting is difficult. Right? And waiting for the things that we desire, the things that we think we need or want, or, or, or waiting for God to just move in ways that we've been hoping for. And it can be very difficult for us. But the meek say, I trust you, God. When it's your time, when it's your place, when it's your way, it will happen. Maybe you're here and you're like, I, I, I don't like that. I want it now. Or I've been waiting for a long time. I've been waiting for a spouse. Or I've been waiting for a job. Or I've been waiting for a promotion. Or I've been waiting for my kids to actually listen to me for once. I, I, you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and, and it's not happening Keep waiting. Trust God. Trust his plan is best. His timing is best because, listen, I, I could tell you for 48 years, I've done a really good job of screwing it up on my own time. And when I can sit back and go, God, wh what do you have for me? He brings about the perfect thing because it's his time is best. His plan is best. His ways are best. And then the meek, they do this. They trust in God's justice, right? Fret not yourself over the one who prospers, in the evil one who prospers in his way or the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. We can look around and go, why, 
Why does that person have that? Why do those people have what I want? They're not even doing it right. They don't even love God, and they have something I don't have. Or we can look and go, how, how can this continue to happen? And we can get angrier and angrier and angrier. And the meek trust in God's justice that says, I, I will take care of all of that. I'll sort it out. In the end, it'll all be sorted out. And you can look at the news you can drive on the road. I can tell you this right now. There are a lot of evil things that are happening in the world, but if you don't use your turn signal, I put that at the top of the list, right? I, I respond in ways like that not very meek if I'm behind someone that all of a sudden just turns. Like, let me know where you're going. What's happening, right? We, we have this thing like that's that like we have our idea this is what's evil and so I want to when someone does that I want to repay them right what do I do I'm on the horn they didn't use their turn signal does it really matter in the long run can I just be like okay that was wrong it was upsetting but let's keep going in view of all that's happening and in view of who I am because guess what I'm guilty of not using my turn signal from time to time. But I don't remember that when someone else doesn't do it. I'm guilty of of doing wrongdoing as well. I I heard it put this way. um, When when we talk about, like, dealing with people who are are evil or wrongdoing is that... um, is that sometimes we get so mad, we come up with our own ideas of how to get revenge or how to handle it or how to, how to have, serve our own justice. And, and, and someone told me once this way, is that uh, either God will deal with their sin at the end or he's dealt with their sin at the cross. And, and, and so I, I don't need to get justice because God has, gotten ju- God has or will get justice. Right? I don't have to hold on to it. Someone's wronged me. I've been wronged. I don't have to hold on to that. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to find out ways to get revenge on them or ways to make them feel bad about themselves or ways to, 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 to pay back what they've done to me because God will handle it all. He's either paid for their sin, Jesus paid for their sin at the cross as he paid for mine, or God will deal with that wickedness at the end from those who are separated from Jesus. My, what's my justice going to do? I can let that go. The meek trust in God's justice They look at the world around and they look what's happening and they go, okay, I don't like it. I'm going to have to do what's right. I can speak what's true, but God will take care of the wicked. The world says something different than this, though. What David wrote, the world tells us something different. It says you can only really trust yourself, right? You can't trust God. You can't trust anyone. You can really only trust yourself. You're the only one that knows you. You're the only one that is you. You can only trust yourself. And if you don't look out for yourself, no one will. Why would we believe that, that, uh, that God is for us or someone is for us? It, it, what, the truth is you can only you know, worry about yourself. If you don't look out for yourself, no one will. You have to do everything you can to get ahead in this world. Don't wait for anything or anyone. Grab whatever you can. This is the world we live in. This is what the world teaches us, is that you want to get ahead because this is all they have. To those who are lost, this is it. This is the best 
that they have. And so they grab for everything. And they take, and they don't care who they push aside, and they don't care how it hurts somebody, and they do whatever they can to get whatever they can now. Because i got to have it. They're building their world and their kingdom now. But the meek shall inherit the earth. We can let go of that. Don't wait for anyone. Grab what you can, the world says. If anyone wrongs you, do what you have to to make it right. But Jesus teaches us something different. The Bible, throughout the Scriptures, if we believe the teachings of the Scriptures, we see over and over and over again, we can let those things go. Now, I want to be real careful. Sometimes we teach the Beatitudes that can sound like a list of things we need to do. You're like, okay, well, this week I'll work on my meekness. I'll do like 35 meek push-ups and I'll get stronger in meekness or whatever. I don't know how you get stronger in meekness, but we come up with these ideas. Meekness is not something that we produce in ourselves. Meekness comes because we know Jesus, right? Meekness comes because we know Jesus. It, G- Jesus uses the same word when he describes himself, the same Greek word in Matthew eleven twenty nine when he says, take my yoke upon me or upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and gentle, that's the meekness, and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. It's the same Greek word, gentle, meekness. He's, this is how D- Jesus describes himself. If we are followers of Jesus, we begin to look like Jesus, and Jesus himself was meek. He's humble. He, he did not consider his own will to be more important than the will of the Father. He left heaven, king, and came to earth as a servant for me and for you. And he took upon him the beating and the, and, the, and the death that he did not deserve for me and for you. This is meekness. Jesus could have come down with, a, with chariots, and fire, chariots of fire and start this music. Um, and uh, he, could, he could have come down with swords and with angels and he could have just taken over. But Jesus had a different way. He came in humility And he's called his followers to come in humility. And guess what? That doesn't come natural for us. That's not how uh, the sinful nature in us is wired. And so for us to become meek, it comes first from knowing Jesus. This idea of meekness or gentleness, it's it's, um, this... uh, found like in Galatians chapter 5, the, uh, the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Christ, Christ's example was like righteous anger. We saw it when he flipped over the tables or when he confronted the Pharisees, but he also was submissive to God's will. But this meekness comes from him. It comes from the Spirit at work in us. Galatians chapter 5 in uh, verse 19 to 24 Most of you guys know this, or if you don't, follow along. But in verse 19, it says, uh, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these I warn you. 
we would agree, okay, these are bad, or at least we hope we would agree these are bad. As I warned you before, those that uh, do or who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ or Christ Jesus have sacrificed or crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. True meekness is not something we can manufacture. It's a production or a, pro, a produce of the spirit at work in us. If I try to produce my own weakness on my own, I get tired. Right? I'm just going to go through life. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to be more gentle with people. I'm going to respond better. And I can do that for a while. And then someone else does something. And then someone else does something. And then something else happens that I don't like. I don't know about you, but then gentleness becomes harder and harder and harder. And I just run out of juice. And the next time something happens, I don't respond in meekness very well. Because it's on my own. I'm trying to produce something that I'm unable to produce. But when we say, God, we let the Spirit produce meekness and gentleness in us, right? We then receive Meekness from someone who is eternally meek and gentle, who does not tire of being gentle or humble or meek. And so we receive this meekness. We can respond in new ways because the Spirit is at work in us. And so we say, God, it's not my will, it's yours. And the Spirit begins producing us this fruit that we go, wow, I, normally I would take someone's head off. But now, I did not expect to respond that way. I, I've seen growth in this, right? Maybe you have too. Maybe as a young man, you were like me, and you had a little bit of a temper when it came to things. I, I struggled with this, and in college there were things, and I just, I, I, I had this temper. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe it's not so bad. As a youth pastor, I would have kids, like, I'd be like oh, there's four of us. I bet we could take you out now. And I'd tell them, I'm like, gentlemen, you may be stronger and faster than me now. I said, but none of you are meaner than I am. So, and they were like, oh, okay, well, then never mind. We won't do this. So, um, right? And so I've had to learn to be like, oh, okay, God, as soon, if I lost a wrestling match to some teenagers, what big deal, Right? But when I was growing up, I never lost a wrestling match to my brothers. They'll disagree with that, but it's true. I never lost a wrestling match with my brothers because I would cheat to win. I would do whatever I had to so that I would be the winner. And meekness, as God has produced fruit in me, I'm like, those things don't matter. I can let that go. It's a product of... The spirit at work in us. The Beatitudes is not a list of ways we can try harder to please God. They're a pronouncement of how a life with Jesus is blessed, even if it looks backwards. We're blessed to walk with Jesus. We're also meek because we know what's to come. Right? We know what is ahead of us. When we look at this idea of blessed are the meek, blessed are the gentle, that why are we blessed? We're blessed because of what's to come. 
Let's look at the second half of this verse, right? For they will inherit the earth, Jesus says. Jesus says that the meek are living the good life now because they will inherit the earth to come. It's not what the world teaches us. The world teaches that the aggressive, the forceful, the powerful will take over the world. And how great is their life, right? Look, just look. Lifestyles of the rich and famous, if you're old enough to remember that, right? Like, just look how great their life is. Look what they did to get there. And how is it that Jesus teaches something different? Jesus knows that the kingdom of this world is not the final product, right? We are striving for things that we can't take with us. We are striving for things that won't matter in the long run. And the meek say, I want to do God's things. Because in the end, that's what will matter. The meek will inherit the earth. We know that one day, if we believe the scriptures, we will stand before God and we will be counted as one of his own and we will get to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth and all of this will pass away. And we will be given uh, great rewards and we will get to be in his presence for eternity. So what does it matter on this, on this earth, in the long run, for me to get stressed over about it, to have anxiety, to be worried and to be angry and to be frustrated at all times because someone else has something or someone else has taken advantage of me or to, someone else has done this, when I can go, it's not right. I don't like it, but okay, God, what do you have for me? I want to look at the word inherit, right? Because it gives us new perspective, I think, when it comes to being meek. It's an important word. An inheritance is not something you earn or take. It's given to you, right? It's given to you at a specific time. It's supposed to be. We saw, you know, we've seen in the story of the prodigal son, he wanted his inheritance early instead of just being patient and waiting for the inheritance that was to be given to him and enjoy it. An inheritance is something that's given to us at a specific time. Usually when someone passes and they say, here it is, this is what I had and now it's passed on to you. Jesus says they will inherit, that the meek will inherit the earth. 1 Peter chapter 3, or for, sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I think it's on the screen. Yep, there we go. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed, be revealed in the last time. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Maybe you've inherited something something or some money from a family member before or, a, you know, a parent. That, that money is usually spent in some way. It's, sometimes it's gone. Maybe you've inherited some uh, family valuables. I have a, a, a watch that was my grandfather's. It, it, it doesn't 
work great. I mean, it's, it's kind of dirty. I don't wear it because it doesn't fit my fat wrist. But you get the idea. And so um, we, we have uh, th- these inheritances. And, and, and guess what? When I die, that will go to someone else. It may go to my nephew. It may go to, you know, someone else in the family. I, d- I don't know. I'm not, not going to be like, hey, bury it with me because I want it in heaven. It's not going to happen, right? Like it's gone. It, it doesn't mean anything in the long run. But Peter says here that we who are in Christ through him have an inheritance that is unfading, right? It's imperishable. It's undefiled. It's this perfect thing that awaits us at the right time. And Jesus says that the meek will inherit the earth. Instead of being the people that say, I'm going to push everyone aside, I'm going to take whatever I can, I'm going to gather for myself right now the things that I want, Jesus says, no, The meek say, it's okay, because in the end, there's something better. This is the good life, right? When we talk about the good life, this is the good life. The inheritance is not just in the future. It's something we get to partake in now. We are meek because we get this inheritance, but we participate in the blessings of that inheritance right now. There is something about being meek that brings great blessing, right? I don't have to carry around anxiety and stress and anger anymore. I get to let that go because I trust God. I trust him. I trust that the words he said are true. I trust that the things that when I see it played out in in the news, I go, okay, God's got this. I do it differently but that's why he's God and I'm not. I can let that stuff go. I don't have to stress about it in the same way that the world does. When things don't go my way, I don't have to be angry about it or to be upset or feel like life is unfair because I can let that go and be like, God's on my side. He works out all things for the good of those who love him, right? Okay, well then, I don't know what that looks like in the long run, and I can tell you story after story of my life where I thought something was better and God had a better way for me than that. And you can too. Now, it starts with that relationship with Jesus. If you're here and you've never started that relationship with Jesus and you're trying to manufacture something good in your life, it's going to run out. But we have this perfect, undefiled, unfading inheritance waiting for those of us who are in Christ Jesus that awaits us. And we get to participate in the goodness of it now. I think of this word inheritance and I think, why, why, oh why do we fight, do we scratch, do we claw, do we attack people for something now that will fade when something better is going to be freely given to us? Right? Why, why, wait, why, why am I going to be aggressive? Why do I want it my way? Why does it have to be my way? I can be meek and let it go. To be meek in this life is to live the good life. When we trust God and his promise of an inheritance, we can let go of all that stress and anger and anxiety that the world is passing us by and we can trust that God is in control and his will is best. Moraine, the church needs people who are meek. I'm going to tell you, I've been working in churches for a long time, right? We're not always the meekest people. 
when we don't get our way. I remember being at a Christian bookstore once, and a lady was yelling at the, uh, when those existed, um, and this lady was yelling at the cashier because they didn't have the newest Max Licato book. And I said, I said, ma'am, tried to calm her down, I said, I don't think Max would be very pleased with you right now. <laughs> that went over real well. I, I can tell you that Mondays can be the, the, the most uh, frustrating day to open your email as a pastor because we didn't sing the song we wanted, we didn't do the thing we wanted, you, you did this and I didn't like that, and that's the emails that fill the inbox because I want it my way right now here on earth. Guess what? You'll have eternity to worship God in new ways and in old ways and sing the songs that you love and sing songs that we've never heard before. Remember, Dr. Stoll said, told us a story at Moody once when I was there that said he, he had a conversation with a, an older lady who supported the school and the radio station, and she told him, Dr. Stoll, I don't really like the music that they play on WMBI at the time, and I'm going, okay. And she said, she said but if it helps reach the, new, the next generation, I'll keep supporting it. That's meekness. It's not what I want. It's God's will. It's his kingdom. It's what's to come. The world needs people who are meek. They need the people of God to be meek. We're in an election cycle. Christians need to display meekness. If we trust God, right, we trust in God, that it is God who removes kings and sets up kings, as Daniel 2 said, then how blessed are we to be meek in this time, regardless of who ends up in office? I can't tell you that Jesus says who we should vote for, but he does say that this kingdom is not of his, or his kingdom is not of this world. He does call his followers to pray for whomever is in office. That's meekness. It's not an argument on Facebook. It's not an argument with a coworker. It's saying this is what is true. This is what is right, but I trust God that he's in control. We may not like what's happening, and trust me, the world has seen some really bad leaders over time, and God's been at work, his kingdom has grown, and his people have thrived in the right ways, even in all of that. When Christ says that he's building his church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it, then I can sit back and go, I don't like it, but I trust God. I don't need to have a fight over it. The world is filled with people who have a worldview that is in conflict with the truth of Scripture, and we need people to be meek and speak the truth. First Peter says, um, blessed are you if you should suffer for righteousness' sake. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. We need people in schools and businesses in every arena of life who speak truth, defend the powerless, and stand up for what is right, but do it with gentleness and meekness. Arguing has never changed anyone's mind. But Jesus 
has changed many. We need meekness in our marriages and in our relationships and in our homes and how we de- deal with one another to go, I, I don't like that, but I can show grace and mercy. Brothers and sisters, meekness to, is to trust God and rest in his goodness and the promise of his kingdom. And this is the good life. You don't have to look for the good life in anyone or anything else. It's found in Jesus. We can let go and let God, I believe, is how the saying goes. That we trust, God, you are in control. I can let go. I can relax and I can trust that you will work this all out for your good. And brothers and sisters, if we could treat one another like that, if we can approach the world like that, one, we're blessed to live that way, and the world is blessed to see us live that way. Would you pray with me? Father, as we, uh, we prepare to, to sing again and then to leave out from here, Father, I pray that we would uh, interact with one another in, in meekness. Father, that you would begin to open our eyes to ways where we have held on to our own ideas of life, our own ideas of what should happen and how life should be. And Father, how we have um, created in our, our own minds the world as it should be. And Father, let us let go of that to see you at work, to see your, um, your faithfulness and your goodness God, that you are at work. You've not forgotten us. And even as the, we look around and see uh, evil at work and see evil prospering and, and things that we don't like, we know that you are in control and that we have an eternity with you that awaits us. Let that shape how we act. Let us shape how we think. And Lord, we pray that you would be pleased and glorified through it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.